Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. Good morning, guys. Good morning. How are you today? Good. Quick little thing I want to um, touch back on really quick. The women's conference. Um, it's the, the discounted tickets are $50. $50. The normal price is $80. Uh, prices at the door are $90. So if you want to go with me, I have eight tickets left. Um, and you can get them for $50. Come talk to me afterwards or email me. We'll go together. We'll have some fun. We'll have some lunch together. We'll worship. It'll be uh, a really great time. So anyway, all right, that's all I have to say about that. So good morning. My name is Melissa Anastasi, and I am the family, kids, and women's pastor here at Watermark. So I am usually, if you don't know me, if I don't look familiar, if you don't recognize my face, I'm usually hiding back with the children, very excited to be able to hang out with some adults this morning. And I'm really excited because I get to see all your faces. I get to see smiles. I get to see laughs. This is so fun. I'm so used to seeing masks. So I'm, I'm really, really thankful that I get to see your faces. So make good ones. Smile all the time. I want you to smile. Okay. Ready? Practice. Ready, set, go. Smile. Oh, okay. That's good. I like that. That's pretty. Okay. All right. Good. (laughs) Okay. So normally I would start with an icebreaker here and I'd have like a funny story to tell or I'd come up with something really clever. Um, but actually, um, that what we're talking about today kind of speaks for itself. And there's a lot of meat in the scripture that I want to go through. And so I'm just going to bypass anything that has to do with Melissa, because literally, what's the point? We're actually going to just go straight into scripture. Is that like so weird to do on us? Yes, we're going to go straight in. Actually, hold on. Before we go in, though, I'm going to give you a little backstory to where we're starting today, and then we'll head into scripture. So we are currently in a series um, going through the book of Hebrews. And I have a little question for you. Don't answer it because you might feel like a little conviction and I don't want to call anybody out, but I'm going to call you out right now. Um, no, just kidding. So I want to know, I would like to ask and think to yourself about this. Who is actually going through the book of Hebrews right now at home? So we're going through the book of Hebrews here at Watermark. Are you reading it at home as well? Are you going through it? Because honestly, on Sunday morning, we can give you about this much. I've got a passage in Hebrews 3 that I'm going to read. It's a really, really great passage. It's about this long. But there's a whole bunch of Hebrews 3 that we're not going through today. And so if you're not digging in and if you're not coming on Sunday morning prepared to learn, then God, then we can only give you this much and then you've got to do the rest. You've got to prepare your heart. You've got to dig into the word because this scripture is so good. Let me just say, the book of Hebrews is a perfect way to kind of dive in, especially if you're a new believer. Because what it does is it does this beautiful connecting of Old Testament and New Testament. So we talk about the Israelites. We talk about the past. We talk about the promises to Abraham. And then we look forward to the future and we see the promise of Jesus coming to um, just bring to fruition everything that God is going to be doing in his kingdom. 
And so when you start in Hebrews, you get this beautiful picture of everything. Sometimes it can be so confusing when we're like in the Old Testament and we're like, I don't, this doesn't make sense. God sounds mean. I don't understand it. Oh, here's Jesus. He's love. He's goodness. He's mercy. Hmm. I don't, some, somehow I'm not finding like a connection here. And so oftentimes with new believers, we're like, yeah, just start in the New Testament because that's like the easier, that's easier. Start there because don't go, don't go to the Old Testament until you're ready. But in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews melts it together so nicely that it's just a really great way to get confident in your faith. And so that's why um, we chose to go through this book. So that's why I want to ask you guys to do your homework, which is not fun. And it shouldn't be homework, actually. It just should be to fill yourself up. And so I've been actually listening to Hebrews on my phone, which is not normal. I don't usually listen to books. Um, I feel like it's cheating a little bit if you do it. Sorry, I don't mean to hurt your feelings. But like when I listen to an audiobook, I'm like, mm, that's not how I'd read it. No, I don't like that. And then I don't listen to the story because I'm like annoyed by the person reading it. But I've been listening to Hebrews and there's this guy like on the Bible app, uh, Bible gateway, I think, Max McLean. And he's just like so authoritative sounding. And so I'm like listening to it and it's like I'm listening to it for the first time and I'm like, oh, this is good. And so I've just literally been listening to it over and over again and it doesn't get old. Um, and it's like I've, I'm reading Hebrews for the first time. So um, that's just my little, that's my little encouragement to you is get in that word, you guys. Okay, so this is week two of what we're learning in Hebrews. Last week, we had a really great um, Father's Day panel up here. Did you guys like that? That was super cool, right? Yes. Um, and so the week before, Ben started us off in Hebrews, and now we're kind of still just at the beginning. But I want to give you a little um, backstory. Um, so basically, the author of Hebrews is saying, there was an old way. There was a way things were done. Now Jesus is here, and there's a new way. So so now what he's doing is like, now you have an understanding of who Jesus is. You know who he is, what he's done. He's actually the king, come to earth as a human, made lower than the angels to come for you. So now I need you to be careful that you don't drift away. It's really important to pay attention and not drift away. Because we as humanity have this propensity to drift and we don't know it. And then all of a sudden we're drifting and we're drifting and we're like clearly out to sea, right? And we can't see our destination point. We can't see where we started from. Then all of a sudden a small little drift takes us so far away from what God's doing in our lives. So he's saying, wake up, be aware, don't live like they did when they were in bondage, when they were in slavery, when they were in the wilderness. You can't live that way. That didn't work for them. So I need you to live differently. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying. And I keep saying the author of Hebrews because we don't actually know who wrote it. Um, And so I'll keep kind of saying that way. So if it sounds weird, I apologize. The person, the Hebrew writer guy, the script, script, Man, okay. (laughs) So we are in Hebrews 3. If you want to open up your Bibles, turn on your phones. Hebrews 3, we're going to start in verse 7. I'll give you one second. We have it up on the screens too if you want to follow along. I'm going to read in the uh, New International Version. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, 
If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. During the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declare on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end, just as it has been said. So here he's saying, he's repeating exactly what he just said. So I'm pretty sure it's important. Normally when things are repeated in the Bible, there's a reason for it. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were those that heard and rebelled? Were they not all that Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. So there's a lot here (laughs) I want to chew on. There's a lot of different ways I could go. That's why I think it's really important to get in here and um, seek God in this on your own. But I want to camp on the idea of wilderness. Did you see what I did there? I said camp, and then I said wilderness. Not funny. Sorry, I've got you guys. I've got some puns for you today, just like sprinkled in. So I have like some serious, and then a couple puns. Just wait for them; they're going to be fun. Okay. (laughs) So wilderness is something that's a through line in scripture. It's mentioned three hundred times or more. It's everywhere. It's a place. It's an idea. It's a concept. And it's usually a point in time of a person's life, of a believer's life, where where God kind of sends a person or allows a person to be in a place of discomfort. It's not fun. But usually, it's when God is doing a giant work in the life of a believer. And he takes them out physically or metaphorically into the wilderness. And it's kind of this time and season of testing. To, to produce your faith, to help you grow. Now, with the Israelites, it was a little bit different because a lot of them, because of their hardened hearts, they were punished and they didn't get to see the promised land. But God still had that for his people. And so there was still, even though a good portion of the Israelites did not get to see the promised land, God still had a purpose and a plan for his people moving forward. So I was reading an article on this, on wilderness, on, on what God's plan is, what God kind of does in the wilderness. And I thought that this was a good little excerpt of giving you kind of the idea of, of how God works in it all. The wilderness, wilderness is a locale for intense experiences of stark need for food and water, manna and quail, of isolation when Elisha was sent out to hear the still small voice of God, of danger and divine deliverance when Hagar and Ishmael were sent away, of renewal of encounters with God, Moses, the burning bush, Mount Sinai, 
There is a psychology as well as a geography of wilderness, a theology gained in the wilderness. So as you see in these examples right here, Moses, Elijah, Ishmael, Hagar, what we see in these instances is that God's there. God takes that time and he takes that moment in the wilderness and he provides a way out, right? So it's not like he drops you off. You're not stuck there. He's there with you. But what is the author of Hebrews saying? So the author of Hebrews is saying, learn from your ancestors. Don't do as they did. Wake up. Live out your salvation as God has called you to. So I want to look at, quickly, briefly, because we don't have a ton of time, but I want to look at two different, two specific instances where wilderness is mentioned in scripture. And we're going to talk briefly about the Israelites that wandered in the desert for 40 years. And then we're going to talk briefly about how Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. We're going to look at those two things and we're going to come to a conclusion as the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. And we're going to just sum it up right up there at the end. Does that sound good? Okay. So these two events the Israelites in the wilderness and Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, they are thousands of years apart. This is ancient times, ancient Israel, ancient Egypt. Then we fast forward thousands of years to the time of Jesus. And now we fast forward thousands of years to the time that we're in right now. And what I want to point out is the, the Bible is pretty relevant for today, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So a lot of people would say the Bible is not relevant. Like, it's just like, it's old, it's ancient, it doesn't kind of really matter. But if I can look at a people that lived thousands of years ago, and if I can look at their life in the wilderness, and then I can point to Jesus and show why he came, why he did what he did for those people, and then I can take that and I can look at our lives and see how that makes a difference and an impact and why we are here, then I would have to go ahead and say and believe that the Bible is relevant for today. So that is a side note. Take it for what it's worth. So we're all familiar with the story of the Israelites being slaves for hundreds of years. The people are grumbling. They're crying out. They're mad at God. They're so uncomfortable. So God says, I hear you. I see you. I'm going to send someone to you. And I'm going to make a way where there seems to be no way. So God, through Moses, performs all of these miracles. These plagues come. These crazy things happen. And then he walks them up to the Red Sea. And they're like stuck there. The Egyptians are coming on in their chariots. And then God parts the seas. And the people just walk across. And they saw all this with their own eyes. So where were they headed? Where were the Israelites headed? What did God promise them? They're going to the promised land. This is, this is the plan all along for God's people. So God told Abraham years ago, you're gonna, you're gonna, I'm gonna make a nation through you and you're gonna be my people and I'm gonna be your God. And so this is kind of like the culmination of what God's doing through Abraham. I'm taking you out of slavery now and I'm bringing you into the promised land. But three days later, they don't have water. And they're mad about it. And they're like, we had water when we were slaves. And then the Lord performs a miracle and and brings some bitter water, and that water becomes sweet. Now they have water provided for. A few more days, they're like, I'm hungry. I'm just so hungry. 
So the Lord provides a way. He brings a miracle. Food from heaven literally coming down, landing on the floor. Here you go. Don't be hungry anymore. And then they get to their destination, and they send out spies to go seek out the promised land. And the spies come back, and they're like, man, I don't know. It's kind of scary. There's like giants over there and stuff. And the people are like, oh, mm, I don't really want to go. I kind of miss the meat that I had and the potatoes and the vegetables when I was a slave. Oh, do you not know that you were a slave? Yeah, you, you got meat for a hot minute, but do you know what you were doing for the rest of those hours in your day? And you want to go back to there just because the food that you, you're getting isn't like quite to your taste? Or you're a little uncomfortable? Did, oh, didn't you not just see like the whole sea opened up and you were literally able to walk through? But they're grumbling. They're complaining. They're not happy. They're frustrated. I don't like being here. I don't like wandering. I don't like manna. I don't like waiting. Do we know anyone like that? Hmm. Not me. (laughs) Nope. But, like, I didn't, like, realize that the food was going to be manna, though. So, like, if I knew it was going to be manna, I would have totally stayed a slave. Like, is that rational? Is that rational? Yeah, no, I like the meat, so I'm just going to go, like, break my back for, like, 150 years. No, it's it's absurd, but that's that's what the human mind does when they focus on their own needs and their own wants, and they don't see what the Lord provides in the way where there is no way. God gives us what we need, not necessarily what we want. It was really, really easy for the Israelites to forget all that the Lord had done. But when it came to their future, were they, were they allowing their expectations to be met or were they frustrated? Did they have expectations of what their future was going to be? So we're just going to get to the promised land and then we're going to like have a dance party and we're going to have so much fun and we're going to eat all the food we want. No, the promised land was never a destination to just go sit and be done with your life. The promised land is what's going to take you to that next level in your relationship with God. But their expectations weren't being met how they wanted their expectations to be met. What could the Lord have done to make it better for them, do you think? What could he have done? He was literally a cloud by day, a fire by night, presence right in the middle of where they are, face to face with the Lord of hosts, providing food, providing water, providing meals. And the people are like, but that's not what I wanted. So what does God do? He sends them into the wilderness for 40 years. When the trip should have taken 11 days, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. And unfortunately, the Lord said, those of you that have been here thus far, you're not going to make it into the promised land. I'm sorry. Your hearts are hard. There's no helping you. (laughs) I've done everything for you. Literally everything. So why do we need, why do we need the wilderness? What's the purpose of it? It's where God's people make a decision. Am I okay with relinquishing my rights? Am I okay with God calling the shots? Because you know what I see a lot of right now? 
sorry, this is like a Melissa rant, but I see a lot of people being like, I don't really want you to call the shots, God. They're leaving the church. They're deconstructing their faith. They're like, I don't know. It just, it doesn't sound the way I want it to sound. It's not exactly fleshing out how I want it to flesh out. And I'm, I'm kind of over it. And I know that the church has hurt people and the church is human and the church is flawed. So yes, there are people leaving at the church and deconstructing their faith because they've been hurt. But why are they not sticking it out with the Lord? Sure, if a church has hurt you, let's try to fix it. But also, God is here. God is real. Don't leave him just because somebody's hurt you. Stick it out with him. So God puts them in a timeout. Think about what you've done, Israelites. And so they're wandering in the desert for 40 years. But what do they still have ahead of them? The promised land. They are still going to their destination. God is still going to fulfill his promise. There's just a detour, just like a little 40-year detour. Because they need to get their hearts right. They're in no place to step into a new land and conquer it and start doing everything God has for them to do. They're in no place. God's got to make it right in his people. And over the 40 years, he instills laws and different things and ways to set his people up for the best success that they can possibly have. And who do we see right there with them in a cloud by day and a fire by night? We see that Jesus is right there in the center of it, present and available the whole time. When we're talking about a wilderness moment sometimes, I've had quite a few, have you guys? Yeah. So when we're talking about a wilderness season in our life, we often say, oh, well, I just feel like God's not here. I think he's just like away. I don't feel his presence. He's not close. I feel alone. Now, those are really, really valid feelings to feel. And I have felt them on numerous occasions. But the truth is he doesn't leave. He's just not there the way we expect him to be. But we have to trust and know, if we believe scripture is true, we have to trust and know that he is there. And we have to live out that wilderness like he is there. It's really important to remember that. Because the wilderness is isolating, and it's lonely, and it's tiring. But if we forget that God is there, how are we going to possibly make it through? And the people of God, they have a job to do, so he's got to get them ready. And he needs 40 years to do that. So the wilderness for God's people in this season and this time was necessary. The wilderness was necessary. Can you say it with me? The wilderness was necessary. Yep. Okay. So that's what God did with the Israelites. We're going to move into what God and Jesus do together in his moment of wilderness. And I want you to look at this passage closely with me. We're going to be in Matthew, Matthew 4. And it should be up on the screens in just a second. Do you guys have Matthew 4? Okay, perfect. Okay. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Wait, hold on. The Spirit was like, Come on, Jesus. We gotta do, we gotta do something real quick. I'm not gonna tell you about it because it's kind of terrible, but, uh, let's go. Why would the Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness? 
Because God promises that Jesus is going to have every human experience so that he knows exactly what it's life like to live life here on the earth. If the Israelites went through a wilderness experience, then Jesus is going to go through a wilderness experience. Why? So he can go to the Father on your behalf and be your intermediary and plead your case to him. That he could stand at the right side of God and go, that's my son and daughter. I know that pain. I've seen that pain. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Can you imagine that? 40 days and 40 nights, I'm sure I would be dead. I'm sure one night out in the wilderness without food for one night only, and I would be a goner. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. You can just, you can literally just make food for yourself. Just do it. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, well, that's hard to fight. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Just do it. Just jump. I want to see. I want to see the angels come catch you. They're going to, right? That's what it says. Even, even the devil knows scripture. Jesus answered to him, okay, well, you gave me that scripture, but actually it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So I'm not going to do that. Sorry. Devil. Okay, good answer. Good answer. Family feud. Good answer. Okay. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus is like, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then this is the part that kills me right here, you guys. This Speaks leaps and bounds to me. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Angels came and attended him? What in the world? So so the Lord was said in Hebrews, in the passages before this in Hebrews 2, that he was made lower than the angels. Even though he was God, he was made lower than the angels to be on this earth. Another um, translation says the angels came and ministered to him. Can you imagine? You guys, he was so hungry. He was so depleted. It literally took everything from him to be able to say no and resist the devil and make him flee. He was so tired and worn out that he needed angels to minister to him. The God of heaven needed angels to minister to him. So he gets it. He gets the pain. He gets the fatigue. So, I just want to look at how Jesus handles this. What did the people do? They grumbled. They complained. They weren't happy. Their expectations were too high. What does Jesus do? He gives up control. He doesn't think of himself in the moment. He gives up his rights. He gives up his feelings, his entitlement, his expectations. And ultimately, he gives up his life. He gives up all power And he fights the devil with one thing. What's that? His word. He fights the devil with God's word. 
literally all he has to say is, oh, my dad says this. No, my dad says this. Oh, no, this is written, so I'm going to do this. Each time, Jesus comes back with what God says about him in each scenario, and he puts up before the enemy, and he's like, sorry, dude. It's actually a really, really simple recipe. What do we need to do when we get in those time of, times of wildernesses? 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 I don't know. Okay, sorry. Um, it's to give up control and trust every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Super not easy to do. Especially when we live in this world, especially live when we live in this social media world, when things are hard and we get tunnel vision. I get tunnel vision a lot. Do you guys get tunnel vision a lot? I remember when my daughter was an infant and I'm like, I'm going to be bottle feeding this baby for the rest of my life. That's tunnel vision. It spiraled me down into a crazy mess because I'm like, I don't want to bottle feed a baby for the rest of my life. She's almost driving now. So that's, never mind. We're not going to talk about that right now. I was praying this week for the sermon, and I was asking the Lord, like, is there anything that you would want me to say in the midst of this passage, like, specifically? And I feel like the Lord said, tell them it's their choice. He's not going to force you. But he wants you to choose to come to him with every single thing in every hard season. So when you're sitting in a season of wilderness, hardship, trial, temptation, when you're up against the wall, what are you going to choose to do in that moment? Are you going to trust Jesus with everything you had, like Jesus trusted God? Even when it doesn't seem fair, even when it doesn't seem right, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it hurts, even when something might be taken from you, we can't. We can't possibly comprehend in our finite minds what God's doing, but we think we can. We're like, oh, no, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't compute. You realize that God made the heavens and the universe in such a way that the earth is still spinning. The sun's over here. Planets are over here. We're like alive and breathing, and there's no fear of that stopping. And yet we're like, hmm, this doesn't totally make sense with this, so I don't know. I want to go back for a second. I want to um, kind of land on this. So first we talked about wilderness, what Jesus did, what the Israelites did not do. We need to give up control and trust the word of God. This is the last thing I'll say about this passage of scripture. I want to go back to um, verse 7 for just a minute. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. During the time of testing in the wilderness, when your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. And this is something that God's been telling me so much, and I wanted to share this with you. I'm, like, really happy this is part of this passage. But I think the most important word in this little passage of Scripture is today. Why? Because today is literally all we have. We're not promised tomorrow. God says, if you hear my voice today, don't do what the Israelites did. 
You have a reason to trust and believe his name's Jesus. So just go with today. That's all you have. You don't need to look at your future. You don't need to look back now at the past. Look back so you know what not to do, but trust me in today. And then in verse 13 also, be in, be, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So I was praying the other day. <laughs> And sometimes I get really stressed out about my future. You guys don't know what that's like, do you? Like, mm, do I want to live in California for the rest of my life? What about my kids? Do I want them to go to this school? Do I want them to go to that school? Am I safe? Am I secure? Security and safety, man, that's a big one for me. And so I was trying to get some answers from God because every time I pray about my future, it's like, no, nothing, nothing today. Okay, all right, let's keep going. And so I thought I'd be like sneaky and do like a little side sneak. And I was like, um, Jesus, um, so like, talk to me about my future. Like, not like, hey, what's going to happen with this? But like, let's open up a dialogue. Let's open up a dialogue. Let's, we'll just talk about it. Let's just talk about it. You want to talk about it? And do you know what I feel like the Lord said to me? I feel like he said, Why? And I was like, uh, uh, because it'll help me in my life and stuff. And he was like, really? Like, what if I'm going to die tomorrow? Do I want to know that today? Is that going to change anything that I do today? It might hug my kids more, but I should just be doing that anyway. Right? What will knowing my future change anything about today? We live in the mindset of like, I'm owed this. I want this. If I could just get here, if I could just get there, God's like, no, I think we need to change that mindset. I think you might have to have another little wilderness moment. Because what happens after the wilderness moments? The Israelites enter into the promised land. They conquer the land and they take it and it's theirs. What happens when Jesus steps out of the wilderness? He has a three-year ministry that changes the trajectory of the entire world. So as you can see, if you have a wilderness moment, if you do what you're supposed to do, if you give up control, trust God, and, and listen to his word and trust that it's true, God has such wonderful plans on the other side of it for you. But it's your choice. Um, James 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, which usually happens in a wilderness season, produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you be, may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So what happens when you get on the other side of it? You're mature, complete, and not lacking in anything. So when you've gone through a wilderness moment, you have everything you need in Christ. Everything you need. Not everything you want, but everything you need. And I'm going uh, to call up the worship team. Just make sure that they're up here. I'm winding down here. But if you're currently in a season of wilderness, and would you guys say maybe 2020, a good portion of 2021, could be a season of wilderness for, like, a lot of people. 
See, I think we need a mindset shift where we need to look at these things and not fear, but look at it and go, what's God doing? What's God going to do with me in this? I'm choosing you. I'm going to choose you. Every time I choose you, even when it doesn't feel good, I choose you. Even if I don't feel you, I choose you. I relinquish my expectations. I relinquish my rights and I choose you. It's been a wilderness season, and if you're in a wilderness season, I just want to say keep fighting and doing the work. Trust and believe that God has a good purpose and a plan for you. I was reading um, this article. I'm going to butcher this so much, you guys, but it's called the Deuteronomic, 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 one or two, one. What what was the first one I said? (laughs) The Deuteronomic. Posture. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, and basically what it means is you're standing, in your, you're standing in the middle of the wilderness, but you have your eyes on the promised land. We always have a promised land to go to. That's what God promises us. That's what God promises his people. He has such a good work to do in our lives. But we have to trust, we have to believe, and we have to stand in that, the middle of the wilderness and go, I see the prize, I see the glory. And who knows if it's on this side of heaven. I think it might be. I think God has wonderful things and perfect plans for us. And I don't feel like a wilderness season is forever. I think it's a moment in our lives. But we have to fix our gaze on Christ. And that is what the author of Hebrews is saying. He's like, please, please don't go back to that way. Please don't go back there. Don't go back to that life. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus, the author and finisher finisher of your faith. And hang tight. Tough it out. Trust me. So we're going to take a moment here real quickly. We're going to respond. Jesus gave his life for you. It's what he came to do. The author of Hebrews is really excited about that fact. And so we're going to offer communion here to you if you want to go to the stations. And take a moment. Spend a minute with Jesus and remember, oh, okay. This is why I'm here. This is what you've done. I'm okay. I'm okay. If you're in a a wilderness season, he's got you. So go meet him. Go meet him at the communion stations right now. Go spend a moment with him. Give him your trust back. Relinquish control. Take the elements and just center with Jesus for a moment and then we'll finish up. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.